Let's pray. Father God, it is so good to be in your house today. It is, you guys, you may have to kind of track with me a little bit today. We're going to go on a little journey, so hopefully you can hang in there. But we're going to move a little bit quickly, but I think you'll be able to, hopefully things on the screen will be good and you can follow along. We've been doing Sunday School Answers. And so again, the idea behind the Sunday School Answer is a lot of times, even people in churches, but sometimes people on the outside, they think that, Oh, that, that doesn't really explore the depth of the situation. Or you really don't understand if all you know is the Sunday school answer. And my theory is, if you understand the real Sunday school lesson, you got the answer. You really do. We have been taught so many good things in these stories if we'll live them out. Today, the Sunday school answer we're going to look at is the B-I-B-L-E. All right, so we'll look at that in just a second. I'm going to go through a little bit of a passage in Acts just so we can see Paul talking about the importance of scriptures. And then we're going to run through some scriptures about the scripture to remind us why the Bible is important. And then more than that, why we should be heeding it and how we should heed it. So let's look together. If you want to turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27 is where we're going to start today. Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27. Paul here is speaking to the Ephesian elders. He's called them in. It's probably the last time he's going to see most of these people on this side of heaven. And he wants to share some truth with them and some encouraging words. And I want us to kind of work our way through those just a little bit this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 26, the scripture says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. All the counsel of God. Again, I just a reminder, I don't know, I know that everybody's not been part of Sunday school, but when I was a little child, I was, how can you say, almost born in church. I think I was going to church in the womb. <laughs> um, I remember children's church. And I remember Miss Agnes Clem. She's like one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I think she had fostered over 300 children in her life. That tells you the kind of lady that she was. But I remember her teaching me this song. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Right? You guys know that, right? Bible! Yeah, right, right, right. And you're like, okay, I know that song, right? You start working. It's kind of like we did Jesus Loves Me a few weeks ago. Or you kind of work your way back around. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a lot in that, right? Do you stand on the B-I-B-L-E? Or do you stand on the knowledge of Wendy or Ray or Rick or Vicky or Michael? What is your source of truth? Yeah. We know it up here, don't we, Right? We know it's supposed to be, but sometimes we have a hard time applying it. My brother and I, we were having these conversations about trying to deal with the context of our current culture. He just had come back from a couple weeks of camp, and he really challenged me. I mean, he, he just spoke so clearly again. He's like, there is, in our current culture, there is no absolute truth. As a matter of fact, you'll hear this phrase, and you guys, if you want to light the preacher up and just make him mad, they say this and then step back, okay? Here's my truth your truth? You share your truth. Oh, he's just sharing his truth. Oh, she's just sharing her truth. You ever heard that phrase? What does that really mean when someone says that? They're sharing their truth. 
That means, well, everybody can have their truth, and your truth may be different than my truth, but as long as it's truth to you, then I'll let you have it. And what we find out today, and a reminder over and over again, is there is only one source of truth, and it is the Lord himself. Amen? And so that's why the scriptures become so important. But we live in a world that has no truth. Everything is relative. And you guys have even heard this before probably. They'll say there is no absolute truth. And you realize that is an absolute truth when you say there is no absolute truth. Right? It doesn't even make sense. But we live in a culture that wants to eradicate the idea of one single source of truth. And I'm here to tell you today that there is one single source of truth. It is God himself. And praise the Lord, he has revealed himself through his word and through his son. And that's why we come here together and try to encourage each other and challenge each other and get back out into the world to speak that truth and to live that truth in front of all those that the Lord brings in our path. All right? Simple ideas, again, to kind of pose this question so that they have a Sunday school answer. How does God speak to us? Well, a lot of ways God speaks to us, right? He speaks in general revelation. What's general revelation? The sunset, the Grand Canyon, right? Uh, Redwood Forest, we are talking about that a little bit, friend of mine this week. But he speaks to us through special revelation, amen? And that special revelation is the Bible. What is the source of the truth for Christians? Well, that is the Bible. What is a Christian discipline you should practice every day? Another children's song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 right? See, these things were good. <laughs> Why don't we still do those things, amen? The Bible is a common Sunday school answer, but it is so much more than that. And so today I want to encourage you, remind you why the scriptures are so important. And I hope that it will encourage you to devote even more time to understanding this incredible book this week. Your preacher is in Ecclesiastes. And even my dad this week, I'm telling him that I'm reading Ecclesiastes. All I said, you just skip to chapter 12. The rest of it doesn't really matter. Because if you go through Ecclesiastes, the, the, the preacher, Solomon, just keeps going, oh, this is meaningless, this is vanity, this is empty. This... And then finally at the end, he says, fear God and honor his commands. That's what my dad is talking about. But man, I've been reading it, and it's been awesome. Like, that two are better than one. You know how blessed you are if you have a spouse today? Wow. I mean, when you're down, they can be up, and when you're up, they can be down, and it just you help each other. It's amazing. Solomon speaks of that. One of Rick's favorite passages there, a time and a season for everything, right? And the Lord reminds us that there is these, this is Ecclesiastes, right? I'm going to go read it twice. I like it so much. This is my thing. I want to challenge you this week to get into the book and hopefully be encouraged through that today. So let's take a little look at a simple time of Paul's relating the story of these elders, and then I'm going to hit you up with some verses, and then we'll have our morning in together there. Let's look again in Acts chapter 20, and we're going to start down in verse 22. Again, Paul is called these, the elders of the church of Ephesus around. And again, the church of Ephesus may not look like the church of cross life. Um, we all kind of gather in this one location, but the church of Ephesus may be 50 or 100 churches meeting in houses around Ephesus, okay? So there's elders, maybe what you would call a deacon or a bishop or overseers. Paul's called them all in because he wants he's getting ready to leave and he wants to meet with them. So he says in verse 22, and now... Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Look at verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race 
and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that good? I got one thing, I'm gonna get it done. And my one thing is to tell people about the goodness and the grace of God. That's Paul. Or are you mimicking that? A couple points here, just real briefly. Paul declared to Jews and Gentiles and Greeks, if you will, that they must turn to God and have faith in Jesus. We cannot leave this simple message. How do the, do the people around you know that this is what you think? Do they know this truth? The people you work with, your neighbors, people you spend a little time with, are you inviting people into your life that they can hear this truth? This is Paul's task. His task is he would testify through the good news of the grace of God. Is it good news? Man, it's good. But I think sometimes we forget. Today, be reminded that the gospel is good news and our task is to testify to the good news of God's grace. Look down at verse 25. Paul continues, he says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, verse 26, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. Quick aside, are you innocent of the blood of the people around you? That's a pretty strong phrase, isn't it? Wouldn't it be a horrible thing to know that there were people who were walking through your whole life and they missed the kingdom of heaven because you would not testify to the grace of God. What Paul intimates here is that their blood is on your hands. No, bloody my. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I am free from the responsibility because I did what God called me to do. There's a lot of freedom in that, isn't there? Amen? When you will be free with what God has called you to do, when you use your gifts the way God has called you to use them, you are taking that responsibility off of your hands and you're putting it on their hands. Paul says, your blood is not on my hands because I have declared the truth of you. Again, verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. The King James says the whole counsel of God. This is what we need today, not just little snippets here and there. And that's what the world would like to do, right? Again, you guys, I've shared this before, but I went to a Margaret Becker concert one time. I think Ray was the only one who knew who Margaret Becker was. And she started going through her Bible and she showed where she had blacked out certain passages. She's like, no, that can't be right. No, I don't believe this. No, I don't think this is true. That is when you're not treating the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. You're just pick and choose the parts you like, get rid of the ones you don't. And she was saying that as a young person, that's what she did. And she had, you know, received the Lord. And then she was reading the whole counsel of God. Here, Paul is saying, there's no blood on my hands because I've given you the whole story. So, verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the what? The truth in order to draw away disciples after them. That sounds like today, doesn't it? <laughs> people coming into the church, trying to pull people out of the church so that they can have their own cult, their own following, 
And the way they do that is they distort the, the truth. How are you going to know if somebody's distorting the truth? Well, I like to listen to a good Christian song once in a while. And I hear the Bible when you guys read it to me on Sundays or occasionally if I come on a Wednesday. <laughs> are you going to know the truth that way? Man, I'm challenging you guys today to, to be in to the Word of God. Because people today, and they're trying to get their fingers in here however they can, whether it is through the latest social, if you got on threads, somebody's going to try to take you out into their cult following, right? If it's through different types of ministries, but it's all about a person's name and about their glory, drop it, right? People, the way that they're going to do it is they're going to distort the truth. And so for us to fight against that, we need to know the whole counsel of God. Paul proclaimed the whole will, the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that he liked. In verse 32, look what he did. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You guys, I do the same today. I'm committing you to God. I can't fix you. I can't make you right. I can't heal you. I commit you to God because he can do all those things. Amen and to the word of his grace. His word is the instrument that he can use to do those things and ultimately to give you an inheritance that doesn't spoil or fade. It's kept and reserved in heaven for you. It's just waiting. Do your friends know that? Do they know about it? That is the good news, isn't it? Lord, help us to share. Again, Paul is blessing these elders. He's building them up, and he wants to see them really take hold of the inheritance that the Lord Jesus died for them to take hold of. Now hang on with me here. We're about to go pretty quick. But I want to walk through this this morning as we think about why the Bible is important and ultimately, hopefully, it will challenge you to really be engaged in the Word of God this week. Why is the Bible important? First off this morning, it is the truth. The truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Jesus praying for his disciples. Your Word is truth. What's Jesus say about himself? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Truth. You guys, there's not my truth and your truth and everybody else's truth. There is truth. And it is in our creator. And he has revealed himself to us in this word and through his son. There is truth. And this world needs to hear that so much more in this current day than I think has ever been, all right? Let's be clear. There is an absolute truth, and one day we will answer as to how we've lived according to God's ruler, not our own. You hearing that today? I don't think you believe me. You are going to answer to God for his standard, not your standard. Now, do you know the preacher well enough to know where he sets standards? I always put things as low as I can for expectation so I can blow above them. I want to kind of temper your opinion of me and set it way down there, and so I'll surprise you, and you'll be like, he's a little better than I thought he was. <laughs> That's how I work it out. Those are my standards, my rule, my measure. Is God going to hold me accountable for my measure? He's going to hold me accountable for his measure. And that's why truth is important. Because we had a whole world today living according to their own ruler stick, their own measure. And they don't know that they're going to be held accountable to God's measure, and it's our job to share that with them. 
Where is the truth found? It is in God's word. It is the truth. It is the path to faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. What does Paul say there? Faith comes through what? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How important is preaching? Preachers are not that important. They are, I'm just teasing. But preaching is the way that God uses, the method he uses to bring people to himself. Can you hear me out this morning just a little bit? This is tricky. I want you to be careful on this. I love some music. I love a good drama. I love a great mission trip. Man, I love an awesome mission trip. But the method that the Lord uses is for him to speak so people can hear, so they can be drawn to him. And how can they hear if nobody tells them, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, the good tidings of Jesus. Amen. You guys, people need to have faith in Jesus, but they're never going to have faith if nobody ever tells them the gospel. The word of God is the path to faith. If it's that important, we ought to know it. I'm challenging you again. Dive into the word this week. The word of God will accomplish his purposes. Look in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God does not waste his words. This poor preacher struggles all the time, gives way too many words half the time. But there is no wasting of God's words, is there? When his words go out, they will redeem, they will transform, they will uplift, they will deliver, but they will also destroy and hold accountable. There is no wasting of the words of God. And that's why it's so important that we share that word, not my word, not your word, not my truth or your truth, but his truth, because it's not wasted. We've got to let it go out, but we have to know it in order to get it out. His word is effective, and it does not fail. My words fail, but not God's. It either lifts up or takes out every time. His word is alive. Amen? That's good. The word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents and the attitudes of the heart. Does God's word change people? We kind of hit on this Sunday school just a little bit this morning. You can try a bunch of stuff. I hate to tell you this, but you're nothing like the power of God's word. Can you find a way to get God's word in the public sphere? Because when that word goes out, it doesn't come back void. My words will. And sometimes my story will. But God's word, it is alive. It is sharp. It is two-edged to the good and to the bad, just like we saw in Isaiah, right? And it judges the what, the thoughts, and the intent or the attitude or the motive of the heart. I can look at you guys this morning, and I may want to judge your motives. Well, they came because some soul came here too, or they came because they're checking off their list, or they came to really worship God because I like that person. That's how we do it sometimes, right? We judge, but God's word judges absolutely because, again, it is true. 
Here's another one this morning. God's word is always what? It is relevant. I get I'm just, you're hearing all my pet peeves this morning. You're going to think I'm a grouchy old man, aren't you? Right? It drives me crazy when people say the word of God is not relevant. It's old-fashioned. It's out of date. It's out of touch. It doesn't make, the word of God makes more sense in this day than it ever has. It is absolutely on target. Read it. Listen to it. Think about it. Let it invade your path that you're in today, and you'll find it is more relevant than any other book you pick up. Guaranteed. God's word is relevant. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they'll not pass away. It is always on point. God's word thoroughly develops every believer who will submit unto it. This could be a whole sermon, but I'm not going to take you there. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is God-breathed or inspired out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished or thoroughly equipped to every good work. If you want to be everything that God wants you to be, what do you need to do? You better be in the word and you be better with the son. Are you hearing the Lord speak this morning? You say you want to be close to God, but you won't ever pack, pick open the Bible or you won't ever study or meditate on the word of God. I don't believe you. You want to be ready to face any battle, any temptation, any thwarting that's coming your way, but you won't take the time to spend in God's word and to know it and to study it and to share it and to, to grow together with other believers. I don't believe you. What is the word of God about? It teaches. It reproves. You ever been reproved? You were wrong. <laughs> I don't like people telling me that. The word of God will tell you that. It corrects, right? I was going this way, but oh, wait a minute. I need to go this way. The word of God says, I'm going to go that way. And it trains us in righteousness. What is right? That's the question the world's asking today, isn't it? What is right? What is truth? And the word of God does that. Hear me out this morning. I love this one. The word of God is the path for our best possible life. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, the path, the word of God. Joshua 1, 8, just such a great, great passage here. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have what? Good success. The best possible life for you is following the truth that is in the word of God. And then finally this morning, it is our spiritual sustenance. How many of you like to eat? <laughs> many of you are like, man, preacher, come on, I'm getting hungry even now. Don't start talking about it. That's one of the worst things that you can ever do, but I've done many times is be in a prison setting. Teresa, here's a hint for you, and start to describe a delicious meal. They'll just be like, shut up, man. <laughs> what is sustaining you spiritually? Some of you have been fasting for a long time. Some of you are just trying to get by on junk food. You hear the Lord today? You need to eat the word of God like you eat everything else around you. You need to consume it and digest it and 
meditate on it and chew it up and share it and understand it and let it develop you. So in Matthew 22, there's a story where the Sadducees show up to Jesus. If you guys know the Sadducees, they don't believe in what? Resurrection. They say there is no resurrection. They're going to throw a trap at Jesus. Remember what it was? Well, there's this man, he has seven brothers, and he dies. And so according to the Jewish custom and culture, what happens? The next brother comes up and marries that wife so that he'll still be able to have a, a land and inheritance. Well, he dies, and the Sadducees, Sadducees say that all the brothers eventually all die. So then they share this uh, question to Jesus, and they say, well, whose wife will she be at the resurrection? Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Resurrection. Jesus scolds them, and he says, Matthew twenty two twenty nine. He answers them, and he said, you are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor power of God. Sadducees knew the scriptures. Matter of fact, they believed in the Torah, the first five books. They didn't do the writings or the prophets, but the first five books of the Bible, that was their claim. It's one thing for me to read you a bunch of verses about what the Bible says about itself. It's one thing for you to say you believe the scriptures, but do you know them and do you know the power of God? The Sadducees were arrogant. They were unwilling to heed the scripture. As a result, these Torah-loving scholars missed the truth that was right in front of their eyes from the book of Exodus. Is that one of the first five books of the Bible? You better believe it. Jesus says, Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus would demonstrate this truth in his own resurrection. And I want to challenge you again today. Do you know the scriptures? I'm not asking if you read the Bible. I'm asking if you're living the Bible. You can't live it if you don't read it. Do you know the power of God? This just drives me crazy, but I know the Lord does it in my own life. The power of God was right in the front of the Sadducees. God himself was in front of the Sadducees, and they missed him because they didn't know the scriptures, and they didn't know the power of God. We need to get back to the source of truth. We need to get back to the scriptures. We need to share them and teach them and preach them and put them on signs. But most of all, we need to live them out that others may see the very power of God in our lives. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. B-I-B-L-E. Amen. Let's stand this morning.